I thought we were just yelling about being mermaids trapped on land. <laughs> Are sirens mermaids? Yeah. I'm, but they don't have tails. Yes, they do. What? Sirens and mermaids are synonymous. No, no, no. No, I don't yeah. think that's true. I beg to disagree. I am both, and they are both, and that is what we are. And we are just luring men and trapping them to their death with our song, or we're just very hot. I don't know. So we're mid-30s. We're all single. We've all been thoroughly disappointed by the men in our lives. Yes. None of us have achieved our career goals. Um, <laughs> We're so successful. <laughs> we live in different cities. Yes. And we're super hot. <laughs> we're super hot. So what do we do? What do we do now? Alright, so Nina, tell us about your April Fool's. <laughs> well, thanks to both of you, it was really successful. Um, Lauren, a co- about four to five months ago, I don't exactly remember when, but quite a handful of months ago, uh, edited a photo for me. I had a beautiful photo I had taken of myself that I wanted to put on a dating site, but there was like a piece of fuzz or like something was on my nose. It wasn't a zit, but like, (laughs) it was like a white shirt. It was just like this weird reflection. And I was like, ah, this, this is like the best selfie I've ever taken. Like Lauren, can you just Photoshop it? And she was like, there's like, boy, can I? (laughs) So she sent me back the edited version. That was beautiful. And then she sent me a version where my nose is so small and bobbed. It looks like, (laughs) <laughs> it looks like a child's nose from like a pug litter. I I can't even explain it. Like it is the cutest, tiniest, weest little nose. And for any of you who don't know what I look like, like I have this amazing, bold, big like, like a Barbara bar- Streisand, Barbara Streisand, share Jennifer Grey pre plastic surgery nose. Like I just have this very grand like iconic nose and I've I've always pretty much been into it and love it um there are times when I don't but uh I joke about plastic surgery sometimes and uh Lauren sent me this photo and I've been sitting on it for like four plus months and I just thought it was the funniest thing like to see me without my big ass nose is so disconcerting like my eyes look super huge I look like a weird doll like I don't even look human. It totally changes your look. I would not have recognized you from that photo. I mean, I didn't, but I just, like, every time I look at this edited photo, I would just start laughing and almost crying, and I really was like, I'm going to do this for my April Fool. So um, I stopped posting selfies or photos of myself a couple weeks ago. Oh, you've been planning. I've been planning. (laughs) Good job. And like, there's one from March 22nd where I'm like covered in blankets, but that I pretended like that was the day before I went into surgery. (laughs) (laughs) And so on April Fools, I post this photo and I post this. Let me see if I can cue it up. One second. I post like a whole paragraph about why I decided to get rhinoplasty and this is what I wrote happy past Easter y'all it's been a tough year full of emotional ups and downs 365 days of singlehood 
I've been feeling ready for a change and needed to work on my inner beauty as well as my outer beauty. 12 days ago, I went in for a cosmetic rhinoplasty repair for my deviated septum. Thank you, Dr. Norell, for helping me breathe, conquer my fears, and achieve some personal goals. The result is still bruised, swollen, and I'm caked with makeup. Usually I have bandages and tape on, but I think it looks really cute and natural. I finally feel ready to truly (laughs) express myself in this new chapter. Arnica gel has been an absolute miracle for healing. Thank you for those who have been taking care of me. (laughs) and And I made Sarah and Lauren, like, both confirm via comments that like I did it (laughs) and uh people really believe everyone believed you cut it off (laughs) one friend didn't my cousin my cousin didn't (laughs) well she had she seen you no no one's seen me oh or actually you know what a bunch of people have seen me but like my my cousin's wife who ended up texting me in a panic on Saturday, like, are you okay? Do you need anything? When did you do this? Like, she had seen me five days before. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, nose jobs, like, what I would have gotten that via totally that photo. totally blew your timeline that, would take, that like, you two months to heal. Oh, my God. They take so long to heal. They're not even healed for, like, six months to a year sometimes. That swelling is still crazy. Yeah. But I really sold it, and my brothers my cousins my aunts my friends like people just started texting me and like (laughs) tentatively asking are you like oh my god are you okay you did it (laughs) but no one was like oh my gosh nina you look so like one friend was like you look great And I was like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. But, like, this nose is so wrong. It's, like, the worst thing. And it makes my upper lip look so invisible. And, like, there's this huge plane. You're saying your natural nose? No, like, the the fake one in the photo. Photoshop nose. It makes, like, this area between my nose and my lip, like, a mile long. It just doesn't look right. Well, right. It doesn't fit your face. It doesn't work at all. And all these people are, like, trying to be supportive. So this was Sunday. And and my brother and his wife called me from California, oh, like God. eight o'clock their time, eleven o'clock my time, to be like, Nina, Nina, did you do it? Did you do <laughs> what? And like freaking out. And I was like, guys, guys, it's an April Fool. Like I didn't get my nose done. And also, like I can't do anything in secret. One <laughs> and two, I have zero money. Yeah. I don't even have enough money to like go to a birthday dinner let alone get plastic surgery that's probably in like the $16,000 range when all is said and done (laughs) and I don't have insurance right now well insurance wouldn't pay for that anyway I know maybe maybe the deviated septum who knows I do you actually have a deviated septum yeah I do I do. I like can't breathe very well. Like I would one day like <laughs> Me too. Yeah, well we can hear that. <laughs> uh, Obviously. <laughs> Every time Lauren breathes, it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's the most labored breathing. The the listeners can hear it. I'm heavy breathing into the phone all the time. Lauren's like always turned on. Um, but the best part is that like yesterday was Monday. I I'm out and about doing my thing. I get home at nine o'clock my time 12 o'clock midnight california time my mother calls me freaking out 
And like, they're in California looking at colleges for my little brother. And she's like, I was drinking a glass of wine and I had a panic attack. I had to start deep breathing in my glass of wine. Your brothers had to tell me that it was a joke, but I thought it was real. She was freaking out. Like, she still couldn't believe it or not. Like, she wasn't sure. My own mother. She's like, which one is lying to me? Right. Which one of my children is lying? My, and like, didn't read down far enough in the comments because that was yeah. well after I had posted. Like, April Fool didn't cut off half my face. You, like, I thought you would post like an actual photo of yourself and just be like, April Fools, I still have my nose. Like, no, I bet you most people didn't see your comment. So my own mom like immediately jumps on she she cut off her nose she just she had plastic surgery <laughs> who's been taking care of her is she okay and i'm like mother mom you just had to like send me some birthday money because i can't even afford anything like you know of everyone how broke i am like i love that anyone thinks that i have enough money to get a facial let alone i'm sure surgery. people didn't think about it that deeply no. My own mother didn't and, like, believed it. I mean, and could, then my little... You could probably put that well, kind of thing on a credit card and, like, pay it off and I don't even have a credit card. I mean, I don't well, know. Well, your mother is probably thinking you've had issues with your nose your entire life because that's how she thinks. No. She, like, I don't have she's an... insecurities like that. Like, I'm not 16 anymore. But I just thought it was funny. And then it, like, turned into this whole thing. And... My little brother and her were like, has she not been paying rent? Did she not pay rent to pay for her plastic surgery? Like, <laughs> is she homeless? So they were telling me, like, the whole unwinding of how this happened in their brains and, like, had to call me to make sure so that funny, I didn't Nina. do it. Uh, I think that is a very effective April Yeah, you really job. got Good people. Job. I did. And then I had to post after that. After that, like, late last night, I posted a photo of my real nose and it was like still my nose <laughs> y'all been fooled <laughs> so thank you thank you too for helping me and editing and photoshopping and, and really like full-on faux supporting my decision to not get real plastic surgery i didn't really do anything i did leave a comment but even that like i felt incredibly guilty being part of the scheme <laughs> to lie to defraud the public <laughs> I had no problem with it whatsoever I don't know why I felt so bad I was like is this a lie I don't feel right about this guys people are gonna be confused <laughs> isn't everyone just confused all the time yeah I would like to do it purposefully I you know these things require planning it was just a joke at my own expense that people took very too seriously and I thought it was really funny and I think it'd be funny to like imagine my whole family talking shit about me behind my back like can you believe her can you believe that's the nose she picked of all the things of all the things what was she thinking it's like half the size of your nose it's not it's half the size of a normal person's nose it's... Well, Sarah equated her to Anna, Anna Ferris. You look so just like listeners. Anna Ferris. Yeah. 
We should post Maybe that picture I'll on post the Facebook it. page. I'll post them on the on the Streaking Sirens page so people can like see my, my April Fool's. <laughs> Simulated. Yeah, post the two photos next to I each will. other. I will. I'll do a nice diagram after this drops. <laughs> oh, my God. But you guys, like, April Fool's is, is usually pretty hard to successfully pull off and this was a, a like my first good one in a couple of years so yeah i'm proud I, I was wondering if it was going to make it like to your mom because i knew that would be like the most <laughs> like epic one if she saw it and believed it she did and it just got to her about 29 to 37 hours later than most yeah. so thank you thank you dr norell you're welcome aka lauren backwards yeah so that was my that was my funny story of trolling the public and my family that's amazing my dad loved april fools like that was his favorite thing and he would call his friend johnny who was another psychiatrist every april fools and pretend to be a patient and give a name (laughs) like you know David Fox or something and then he would leave the number for the zoo so then Johnny <laughs> would call the zoo and say hi I'm looking for Mr. Fox or whatever <laughs> the animal was that, was that was a great one and then one year like yeah. Johnny got him back and left this had someone else call and it was like <laughs> the Israeli council or somehow convinced my dad that Israel was mad at him for something. <laughs> and he was freaking out like he offended Israel. And uh, yeah. My dad did a mean one to me. I still remember it. It was like I was seven or eight and I was very into my- And one day after my ballet class, I get home and my mom and I, my mom had picked me up. So my mom and I were in the garage coming. My dad like burst into the garage. He's like, I just got a call from Mrs. Scamble. That was my dance teacher. He's like, she's closing her studio. And we were like, what? I was, but I was just there. And she she didn't say anything. And then he was like, April Fool's. I was like, that was so mean. (laughs) Poor baby Lauren. No wonder you're so closed off to humor. (laughs) It was ruined for me at an early age. Why do you even talk to your dad after that? Yeah, I know. The horror. The horror. Ruined it all. Uh, to change the subject, Nina, I was listening to our, you know, I was editing the, the last podcast we recorded. I was thinking about all the things you were saying about um, your ex. Ooh. And what a, like, spoiled baby he was and how mm-hmm. he needed to be taken care of. And I was just thinking, like, probably going back to his parents is exactly what he wanted. Like, he just yeah. wanted to go back there and have them take care of him forever yeah to baby him exactly exactly boiled him and enabled him so much that when he had to be away from them and no woman is going to give the kind of enabling that parents do like no girlfriend can do that he just wanted to be taken care of again yeah yeah and his mom would always like look at me or make comments and like insinuating that i never would know him and what was best for him the way that she did and you were like correct and I was like what it's not 
one, like, it's not a competition. Yeah, and that's not your job. That's not my job, but it, like, became my job. But, like, I just, I just think, like, she never let go of him, and he, he picked up on that and, like, could never let go of her and really let anyone else in that wasn't her to, like, diagnose him or help him or, or be with him. It was just always, like, mommy, mommy, mommy. Right. And his dad and I had a really nice connection. And I remember we were we were in fucking Disney World walking around Epcot. And his dad and I would have, like, these, these one-on-one talks sometimes. And uh, my ex and his mom had ambled forward. And, uh, and I turned to him because this is when he was home for, like, treatment of his depression but wasn't even in therapy and was just, like, drawing in a dark room all day and, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, hanging out at the pool. Really, really like, therapeutic, intense shit. Right. I turned to his dad and I was like, you know, I'm here. This is the first time I'm visiting. Do you think he's doing any better? And his dad was really honest with me and he's like, you know what? No. And I, and he's like, he's fighting it he's fighting all this help he's he's fighting his mom and I and he's he's really not done anything to advocate for his own health but you have to let him like choose this path and I started to cry I was like I what's the point like what's the point of all of this what's the point of me being here what's the point of me visiting and taking a vacation and being in fucking Epcot like again again if if he's not even doing anything to like advance his own mental health and his his dad just kind of really like opened that door to me about his own son and wasn't protecting him and wasn't defending him and wasn't making excuses for him like his mother did and it was really like this raw honest moment and his dad was like a wonderful guy he would always hold the door open for me he was the one who would like wait for me to to enter exit a room and like keep up pace with me if my ex was gone and was just like such a polite gentleman and my ex too bad he never like learned from his father my ex um would like always walk ahead of me or let doors slam in my face like I was the one who was always holding the door open and one time I turned to his dad after and after he blatantly like let a door slam in my face in public when we were out at dinner and I turned to his dad and I said well he didn't inherit your manners (laughs) god yeah that's just like human decency if you're at the door first and someone is coming in but it's not even like chivalry I hold doors open for people all the time exactly it wasn't even a feminist or chivalry it was just hold the fucking door open for your partner human decency yeah Yeah. and that's it was such an example of like how selfish my ex was and and how entitled and so yes thank you thank you for saying that and you're absolutely right like he just wanted his mom yeah i just wanted mommy to take care of him Mm -hmm. they developed some kind of like symbiotic codependent relationship codependency she never let him go and it destroyed him i guess yeah for for uh, human interaction for like a yeah. full life for love for real love right because if you can't let go 
I mean, I see that I see that a little bit like with my situation because of my diabetes, I wasn't able to have the kind of independence that kids get, you know, at a certain age in their development. They start I certainly tested boundaries, but they start kind of becoming more independent and more take more control over their bodies and over their lives and I couldn't do that because I had this, you know, health crisis that was always going on and my parents also kind of heightened that and and just held on really tight and made me feel like I was going to die all the time so I couldn't you know I was scared like I was scared to have any real independence because it was like well if my mom isn't here I'll die you know like all the time it's like if anyone else is caring for me I'll die right uh, you were like their their second each of their second full-time jobs Right, just managing my health. It wasn't even mm-hmm. me; it was just my health. And it was like, Your health. If, we don't, if we don't control this, like two hundred percent, you know, beyond a reasonable measure, like, she's gonna die. <laughs> like that was their. That's not true, but that was their mm-hmm. idea, and that was their feeling, and that's what they kind of gave. That's to what me. they projected onto you. Yeah, and so mm-hmm. that's how I felt. Um, and I think that's like the biggest reason why I've had so many, you know, still to this day, like I have a hard time feeling secure and feeling independent and you know probably have a lot of similar issues to your ex and maybe i'm not a horrible person (laughs) but maybe you're not a selfish asshole it's like why we fight why we fight love sometimes and like why why you fight so hard for your independence but you crave that love it's like a parallel to your childhood right it's, in a, that way. it's a paradox for me because love for me meant kind of this all-consuming control over every aspect of my body um but also like I very much needed it because I I didn't trust that I could survive without their guidance and without their help so it was right this is this is kind of why the ickies come I think because mm-hmm. when people get because I, I crave that connection, I crave that love, I crave that security so hard. But then once I get it, it's like in order for me to actually be intimate with someone, to actually love someone, I have to give up all autonomy. Some, you know, I just become consumed by this other person. Like literally, they will like suffocate me. Yeah. So, um, God, I've been working on that so hard. In Good. Therapy. Good job. But Good. Uh, I don't know. That's a really deep seated feeling. Like that's that you know came at. Probably by the time I was five, that was already hardwired into me, that kind of conflict. So, um, right. Well, it's a huge thing, you wanting to better yourself and seeking that change. Right. Because I want a full life. I don't want to end yeah. up in my parents' basement drawing pictures. <laughs> drawing in a dark corner. <laughs> Writing your, your teenage fiction fantasies alone. I mean, I'll do that here alone. Right. I just don't need to do that in my In a dank basement. basement. Yeah. 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 I am writing well, my young adult dystopic <laughs> novel, so. As you should, but I mean, at least your mom isn't going to come banging on the door with a tray three times a day with, like, your soup and crackers <laughs> so you can lovely. sustain. Snack time. Snack time. Oh, for my special girl. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, we're getting deep you guys we're getting so like in it 
it's yeah. been it's been a very therapeutic journey this podcast for me i've really discovered so much about myself and my patterns and my behaviors really from um, the podcast yeah well i was talking about it with my therapist last week and she said something to me like i can't even afford to pay her right now like she's basically giving me a very large discount to keep seeing her That's nice. um and it's really nice. And she said to me, she's like, Nina, you know, if you weren't doing the work that you do and I didn't see how much work you put in and how much you were changing and really growing, like, I wouldn't be doing this for you. I wouldn't be caring and as connected. I wouldn't listen to your podcast. I wouldn't be here. And she's like, you of almost all my patients, like you work the hardest at changing and changing yourself and bettering yourself every single week you're changing. Yeah. And we talked about it and it is, it's like this podcast is like my supplemental therapy because it's how I process in the world when, when I'm not in the chair. Yeah. So big growth, big growth. What about you two? Yeah. No, I agree. I think it's really helpful to have this space to talk about things and reanalyze and process and also kind of learn from your insights and your experiences and see that although we're all different we do have similar patterns and we're all a part of the same society and run into the same issues and maybe we cope with them slightly differently um yeah I think it's great I had a like a I'll say a little breakthrough with myself yesterday thinking about what I would be talking about this week and like talking about my relationship with my ex and I realized, you know, like when you break a bone and the bone mends, it's like the part where it was broken is like harder and more calcified and that part is harder. I like feel like that's what happened with my heart. Yes. Since my heart was broken, it feels like it's even harder around it now and harder to get in than it was prior to that breakup because it's healed itself, but it's healed like in a hard like coating and protective shell now oh my god i have to send you some heart chakra opening meditations Mm. or i'll just like talk i'll tell you how to do them because i did that when i started doing all this work and i would um, i would kind of visualize my heart center and i would see this kind of like thick i don't know almost tar around it this really thick substance and i would like visualize kind of breaking it away and like tearing it away and like opening up my like back space, you know, in between my wing bones where it felt really stuck. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's so you can go into like a meditative state or just relax and do some deep breathing, close your eyes and visualize your heart area and, and just like kind of, you know, put I- images to what the feelings are and then, and then visualize yourself kind of like opening it up and like breaking through it. And that's, that was how I started my journey with, like, opening up my heart. That helps, or that's super new agey and, like, <laughs> bullshit. But, no, it really did help me. I did a lot of that work, and and it changed my posture and everything, too. Mm. I need to go back and do that then as well. I have my I have my little rose quartz heart, and I put that on my heart when I meditate or when I lie down or when I feel really stressed, and that's that's a nice way to, like put some good energy in in my feeling yeah my heart was totally shut down and it wasn't from any man it was from like these early I shut it down in my childhood 
I blocked it off because to be open would have allowed like complete control. Like I couldn't, my dad was so controlling that if I was open to him, then he would just just taken over. Like he literally just would have taken over my whole being. So I had to like close myself off in a way. Yeah, for self-preservation. Yeah. Lauren, when, when you were dating that newest guy recently, did you feel your heart opening a little bit or, or was it still in its calcified, hardened state? Um, it was still calcified and hardened. I could feel like a teeny little hole started to be like pricked <laughs> in it. But then that was like, then he was like, oh, you're, you haven't opened up quick enough. So this has to end. And I was like, but it was just starting to, I was doing it. Yeah. It just takes me a really long time. It's like, it's like more like yours is tar, but mine is more like stone. So mine's my stone carving and like stone carving is actually a really long and tedious process where you just have these little, little pick a point that is called in a hammer and you go tap 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 and it just breaks away a teeny 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 bit at a time well this is perfect that's, so when you're meditating and yeah. visualizing you can visualize that stone and visualize just taking like a big hammer to it and just like busting it open i just realized what my heart looks like my heart is is there like you can see you can definitely see it it's it's exposed but I think it's covered in like jewelry gold chains that are in knots. So mm. it's all there. You can see it all, but like these delicate fine chains have been knotted so hard that you have to take like two little pins and wiggle them apart and it takes a really long time. So thank you. Thank you for helping me see my heart. So you can just visualize like all those knots like Gently Loosening, opening gently. and all these beautiful threads just like elongating and falling away from you to like a nice peaceful necklace. Necklace, yeah. <laughs> You're like sweet, I get jewelry. jewelry. Out of this. <laughs> to untangle my heart jewelry. I knew my heart was gold. <laughs> it's like an in sync lyric, untangle my heart jewelry. <laughs> That's my new hit song, you guys. Uh, Sorry, that's Lauren... like the new ageist I've ever gotten. I know, I love front, it. But that's my brain now. Go ahead. Well, Lauren, what else? What else did you think about with your heart and your ex? Uh, well, I was also thinking, like when you were describing yours next week, like yours and mine weren't the same people because mine didn't grow up with I mean he financially had that same privilege but ethnically he is an immigrant and he's half Asian half British so I mean he speaks English with an English accent so he didn't have a Asian accent but he had that grew up with a little bit of prejudice and discrimination towards him because he looks Asian um and he grew up with since he was British he grew up with manners and respect and so like our relationship he was like a really like good equal like for 
two years of it. And it was just that last half year where it started getting, like, where it was harder because I was wanting... I was starting to put pressure on, like, we've been together for two years, like... And it it is also, like, going along with, like, my mental timeline. We met when I was, like, 30, turning 31. And I was like, sweet, this is, like, putting me exactly on the track that I, like, presented myself for the goal of, like, life accomplishments. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, we'll date for a couple years, two or three years, and then we'll get married. And then if we want to have a kid, that gives me plenty of time to, like, biologically still be able to have a baby. Wow. Which... Which he did. He wanted a kid. So I was like, okay, well, that works out just fine. I'll have one, and that I'm okay with that. Um, so as I was, like, approaching, like, 34, I was like, okay, we've been together for two years. So I started, like, pushing the idea of marriage more and more. And he was the one who initially said, once we're... I realized when we're married, I'll have to give you your own room. That was the first time you ever mentioned, like, marriage or anything. So, like, it's like, great, he's thinking about this. He's thinking about our future together and living together and that I will need my own space because I'm an artist and I'll need my, like, studio. And, and he also, like, mentioned something else about, like, being married at some other point. I was like, sweet, okay, great, he's still thinking about this. But when I started to push it, that's when he started to, like, freak out. And also his business, he owned a guitar shop with his father, and he realized that financially it wasn't sustainable the way they were doing it and, like, paying so much rent in the Lower East Side of Manhattan every month wasn't sustainable. So he was, like, feeling a lot of pressure with that, and they uh, they bought a house and a lot of renovation with the house, which is more pressure, so that he was getting, like, these three big stress points coming at him at once, but he wouldn't talk to me about it either, because neither he nor I were big feeling communicators, because that's not how we grew up. I didn't grow up expressing my feelings with my family. We don't say... I love you or anything. It's a really awkward word for me to say towards anybody still. Um, so he never told me that he loved me. I told him a couple times and he just kind of like let it settle. And I was like, okay, well, he's not ready to say it back. So whatever. But I started pushing like the marriage thing. And that just like, I guess he was like, I can't. And the move-in thing. I remember you, you... Oh, yeah. I wanted to, like... Yeah. Well, or well, I knew my lease was coming up in, like, a few months. Yeah, you've been together two like, years. Like, that's enough time to move in with someone. Right. I mean, it was, like, it would have been... It, I know it would have been awkward to move in together because he is living in a an old brownstone with his father. And it wasn't divided up yet. Like the point of them doing that was to like divide it up into three floors. So like have a renter, he has a floor and his dad has his own floor. But at the point like renovation and the finances to do that were like so tight and it was taking so long that they weren't, we would have all three been living together and that would have been awkward. Like his dad's a little like hermited, 
but I think he portrayed his dad as being more socially awkward than he actually was. Like, his dad was totally, like, a fine little British man. Like, he was... He just along. wasn't ready. Like, he wasn't yeah. Yeah. ready to go and out he was also three, three years younger, so his timeline for life and life goals hadn't caught up to mine yet. And I was like, I never voiced... The, the kid thing that I maybe sh- or should have expressed because I was starting to feel like my biological clock is ticking here like I only have this finite amount of time to have like a healthy baby <laughs> like so if that's something we really want to do it needs to start progressing in this manner right but I never voiced that to him so he never was able to understand that either well, I'm and sure he just saw me like pushing for this. I'm sure he felt. I'm sure he just, when push came to shove, like you were ready for something for a long term lifetime commitment, and he was freaked out and was like, "Not ready for that." And I and I know that, but it still hurts my heart because we were like, I still feel like we were so good together, and all of my friends minus Nina, because Nina only met him like in the last month. That we were together, so she only saw the bad stuff. But all my other friends, I didn't see friends... bad stuff. I just kind of like didn't really see anything. Right. Like, well, like anything, but that's a different thing. Right. Well, that was also because like that was him pulling away at that point. Yeah. And that's when it was starting to go south. But like we we'd had a moment the year before where like his mother died when he was like in his early 20s and he had to pull the plug on her so every year around her anniversary he would kind of like with withdraw a little bit and I would let him do that even though he didn't talk about it I knew that's what he was doing so I would like let him take his space but then he'd always like come back to me so I figured like I was like oh he's doing that again it's not about his mother this time it's about his business fine he'll do that but like, everybody else that saw us together, like, really liked us as a couple, and they were like, you two are so good together. It was like, yeah, you know, we're, like, compliment each other, we're, like, have a lot of similar blah, 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 but I guess we were also too alike in the bad ways, too, where we wouldn't communicate enough, so never knew what the other one was thinking, really pushing for or wanting. Yeah. Out of a relationship. You need we to... never had, like, the relationship discussions. Right. You need to be with someone that's going to be, like, very feelings communicative. To... Oh, but that's also super annoying. <laughs> I know, but you need it. Because if you're if you're not with someone like that, like, you guys will never talk about anything. And everything right. will be, like, swept You'll coexist on a plane, but it won't be the same plane. It'll just be like, hey... And you'll be like, hey. And you'll be like, I like you. And you'll be like, cool, me too. But it it won't get deeper because there's no one actually digging for it. Yeah. And that's not to say that you need someone super needy and that wants no. to know how you're feeling all the time. But you'll definitely need to be with someone that is able to get you to talk about your feelings. And is like me. talking about feelings. You just need to be with someone like me yeah. who really like okay. digs and is like, Lauren. No, but Lauren. Or Lauren, like actually, me. I'm good at that too. Yeah, either okay, one of us. Where, where are my boy, male Nina and Sarah? In boy form. That would be terrifying. Big, with big dicks. Yeah. I would be such a slut if I was a guy. I would be the worst man. I'd be all the things we talk about. I would be in boy form. 
<laughs> I would sleep with like every woman. I would have no like I would dick them over all the time. I just know this. I just know I'd be a terrible, terrible would player. You be, would you be a moster? Mm-hmm. No, I wouldn't be a moster, but I, you know, like my kind of like cocky charis- charismatic charm. I think it works for me as a, a female, but I think it would work really well on women if I was a guy. Like, you oh, know, totally. I'm very showy and like talkative and funny. And uh, I think I would just like charm all of these ladies, have like, you know, kind of hot flings and then be like, nah, I'm not really into that person. And just kind of. <laughs> I mean, I kind of do that to guys, but they don't care as much because they don't like me enough. But, you know, like women get more attached. So, um, well, I'm glad you're not a dude then. Yeah, me too. I would be very mean. mean. I don't think I would. I think, you know, because I'm a very honest person. Like, I don't think I would mislead women, but I would probably be a probably be a heartbreaker. What would you guys? Lauren would be the. Would be like the sexy, strong, silent type that no woman could read. Everybody right. wanted to attain. And Nina, I cannot imagine he was a man, Nina. <laughs> well, I'd be, I'd be gay, 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 gay. <laughs> is what I'd be. <laughs> Nina would be super gay. <laughs> I would be a drag queen, and I, you'd watch me every week on RuPaul's Drag Race, and. I'd probably just be Jonathan Van Ness. Like, let's be honest. If I was a dude, I would just be Jonathan. Okay, yeah, you'd definitely be a gay dude. Like, come on. Yeah. What else could I possibly be? I'd be on Queer Eye in some capacity. Right. I'd yeah. I'd be an icon. I'd just be gay. Like, right. gay, gay, gay. <laughs> or maybe and like a like a Perez Hilton, like a celebrity blogger, snarky gay man. Yeah. Something something maybe clinton kelly i always really enjoy him and his aesthetic and his humor i I might be david sedaris who knows maybe i should just like channel this but into nina so (laughs) yeah you don't have to be a gay man to be a snarky writer funny writer i think if i was a straight man though like i would be the most overly like sensitive tender lover ever and i (laughs) like fall in love all the time and constantly just get my heart shit on by by like your friend callous ladies or you would be a moster would you be a moster no well let's define mosting because uh we just talked about this we read this article on huffington post and mosting is is an an advanced form of ghosting and all of us have been mosted mosted especially recently yeah but mosting is when people like are overly complimentary and overly like in your face all at once available asking the questions making themselves free for you and they just do it really hard really fast and they they put in all their energy and then when you are finally like okay i guess we're together then they then they ghost so that's a moster that's what we're talking yeah, about yeah a moster will basically like fall in love with you instantly and talk about how wonderful you are and how much they like you and want to see you all the time and then the minute it gets kind of too real, you're like, okay, I like you too. Yeah. yeah, and then they totally disappear. Which is just like I think a facet of narcissism where they love bomb you until you feel like, oh my god, I'm this person's person, and uh, this is real, and this is this is not them like twisting my mind into a trick of like 
becoming their number one self-promoter? Um, well, the article said, like, some guys do it just to get laid. You mm-hmm. know, they give, like, they extra compliment. And I've met those guys, but that's usually pretty obvious what they're doing. And yeah. I don't fall for that. Like, that doesn't have any effect on me. It's just like, really? get laid, dude. You can go get laid in 10 seconds. Why do you have to fake all of this? Yeah. Like, that doesn't make you a better person. That doesn't make you a better lover. That doesn't make you more respected amongst women. Like, no, I think just a, get sex. A lot of men do that from certain cultures where that's like the cultural norm where you have to, I don't know, like maybe some of the machismo cultures that I have talked about last time. Um, you know, they'll do that. Like, oh, you know, whatever. They just keep complimenting you thinking you're going to sleep with them. And then when you're like, no, actually, I don't care about your stupid fucking compliments. They get really mad at you if you say that to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the most stories that I have encountered that I fall for are the ones that I think in the moment believe what they're saying. Or yeah. at least they've convinced themselves of it. And it's more of a neurotic thing. And you form this really strong, really intense connection they're together. They're trying really hard to be like the nice guy, but they're like, oh wait, I'm not actually the nice guy. Yeah, they really want to fall. Like in that moment they believe that they're like super into you and it's genuine, but then when it becomes real, then it's too scary and they disappear. Um and it's a total head fuck because it's like, why did you spend a month telling me how much you liked me and valued me and thought I was so great and had this amazing time. And then when I'm starting to feel real connection, you just disappear. Like, why would you do that? Why not be honest and realistic and not tell me like, I don't, I would never tell someone I like them so much until I actually like them so much. Right. Right. Uh, that guy, well, I guess it was like a year and a half ago now, the one that, really devastated me um in germany he did that it's like he just was so into me and we spent like every day together for a month we had the most amazing physical chemistry it was like the best sex i've ever had in my life probably and then one day he was just like no i i came really close to liking you but i don't actually want a relationship and then he disappeared (laughs) I came really close. He's like, you're the closest I've gotten to actually liking someone, but no, I don't want this. He's like, what the fuck does that mean? That's so cruel. That's so fucking cruel. And even if he was feeling that, like, you don't say that. That is not what you say. I came really close to having a feeling. That's like, I came really close to taking a shit, but I decided to hold it. (laughs) Like, you don't do that. Well, and yeah, the whole thing, none of it made sense. It it was, that was the worst. Because at least when I date assholes, like I know that they're assholes and emotionally unavailable. They're going to do something to piss me off and dig me over. But he seemed like such a... You're prepared for it. Yeah, like he seemed like such a nice, normal guy. And just really genuinely enjoyed my company. And I was kind of on the fence about him in the beginning. But then we had such amazing chemistry and we were spending so much time together and who's really warm and affectionate and loving and I was like yeah I could really see this like yeah. seems good but it was like a sham he was just like trying to see how long he could sustain it seems like no he got like obs- and then he was like oh no he was just a baby like I had to go yeah. away for three months and when he found that out that's when he was like 
oh no because he was talking about like future plans like months in the future like what we were doing for the holidays and stuff and I was like oh, I won't be here I'll be back in the states then um and then he got like really quiet for like, 10 minutes and then everything changed after mm. that that was it I mean if you can't handle like a few months separation from someone what are you yeah right the most recent guy we dated was really hung up on the fact that I would be going to Berlin for three months. I'm like, we haven't even made it past month one yet. Why are you wor- worried about six months in the future? Like, It's crazy. <laughs> it's just such a waste of energy. But maybe that's a reflection of like the male perspective and their brains and how they work. And it's like, oh, oh, she's she's going to be gone. Like, just shut this down now. Shut this down now before more feelings go. Like... Uh, I don't want to m- wait for three months for someone. So like, nope, no, no, no. Let's just call it. I can't handle any kind of um, abandonment or yeah. not knowing. I, they just don't want to deal with that feeling. They don't want to miss someone. And so they just shut down. Well, I don't think you really know if you like someone until you've had a chance to miss them. Because if they're gone and you don't miss them, then that means you're not really into the person. But if they're gone and you do miss them, that shows that you actually really like that person. Well, the few other, there's a few relationships I know of where it was through some separation that the guy realized how much he liked the woman. Like, my... My sister and her husband, that was kind of the case. Like, she went away, and then he missed her, and he didn't expect to. That's when he realized, like, he had (laughs) real feelings for her. And the same thing happened with a friend I have here in Germany. It's just, like, a sign of emotional maturity. Like, you shouldn't be with someone that can't handle the feeling of being sad or missing someone. Like, that's not a good sign for their emotional health and Exactly. It's like... Are you going to just turn everything, like, when I get up and go to the bathroom? Like, are you going to feel abandoned? Is, what is this? Like, what is this about? What is this actually about? Because it's not about me and it's not about you. It's like, it's like this pressure that you're putting on something that doesn't even exist yet. It's probably the idea that the relationship is supposed to make you feel good all the time. so Or feel complete. Yeah, and so if it's not having that effect, then you don't want to be in it. So it's not about the person. It's just about, like, you. it's using the relationship feelings to somehow control your own moods. or Right. It's just a crutch. It's just a crush and this, a crutch. And that's why I think people get ghosted and ghosted because, like, they put all this energy into something that isn't real or hasn't had enough time to actually form. And then they freak themselves out. And they're like, ah, I got to go. Right. And then there's also the accessibility Mm -hmm. of onto the next, like having too many options. But really, they're not all viable options. Like you're the one there's like a one percent of viable options as far as I'm concerned. So like the fact that there's something better out there probably isn't like there has to be there has to be some amount of settling, even though I'm like. I don't like settling and I don't want to settle, but I know to actually be able to be with somebody long term, there are things that I'll have to be flexible. Yes, you on. will. You will. 
We We don't know how you're going to do that, but you will. (laughs) We will all have to do that. But, but I'm also like, maybe I just like, maybe I just like being alone. Like I'm totally fine with being alone right now. And I did, I did two days ago, get back on Tinder just to see. And I started talking to these two different dudes and I'm like, you're not even asking me anything about myself. I'm doing all the questioning. So you're not interested. So fuck you. And yeah, these guys are like not even sort of trying. And I was like, well, does this work for you with other women? Like, are they that desperate and needy that they will just carry this entire like interaction and conversation and ask you out? Is that how that works? Pretty much. I'm not that into you. I don't know. I don't know you. And this one guy who I actually matched a mumble and let it drop um, months ago. I was, I had also matched him on Tinder and he never reached out to me on that. And I'm like, I'm like, Tinder's kind of like a, a test for me. It's like, who, who will reach out first? Will the guy do it or do I have to do I it? I never or, reach out first on Tinder. Or do I even care? Um, so did you reach out to this guy <laughs> on Tinder? The one you matched oh, with yeah. on Bumble? So the one I matched with on Bumble and he let it drop, he's... British, so that's like really the only reason I matched with him because I love European men and English men. Um, and so I'm back on Tinder, so I guess I re popped up in his like list of people. Mm. He's like, Oh, I guess I haven't been on this thing in six months. Hello, mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh, we we meet again. Like, I guess we let the ball drop on Bumble, so we're picking it back up on Tinder, and he was like. Haha, ha, I thought you looked familiar. Oh my god. I was like, you don't even remember. We didn't get along on Bumble either. Did you talk to him on Bumble? Yeah, for like, we exchanged like six sentences. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a And good he sign. wasn't very engaging or interested there, so I was like, well... <laughs> Um, so you can't date British men anymore because the Brits are known for repressing all of their emotions and not ever talking about stuff. So that's not the right culture for you to date, Lauren. But I love them. No, it's not good for you. It's not good for you. Well, I do like Brazilian dudes. They're super hot. <laughs> and Argentinians kind of into too. Mm-hmm. South American, Latin men. Yeah, right. We were on, like, a Brazilian kick for yep. Lauren, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sarah has those in her apartment, so I'm going to go hang out in the lobby of your place. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen any hot ones, though. So. you got to be specific. Okay, yes. Hot, hot Brazilian model-looking model <laughs> men that have Brazilian. feelings and manners <laughs> and treat women well and have... Uh, steady income yeah I don't think you'll find that with many Brazilians as far as I know all Brazilians do is like play guitar and soccer yeah it's a very it's a it's like a very like free like hippie-ish culture oh yes Sammy, yeah yes Sammy stop it she's so, talking about the Brazilians um I had a thought about the most sting, though, after I read that article, which we'll post on our Facebook. Uh, I already was... did. It's on our Facebook. Oh, it's on our Facebook. Read it. Um, it was a really good article. 
That's from a listener. That's from our my friend uh, and who knows us all. And I don't know if I should say her name, but we all know her, which is so crazy from like different parts oh. of our lives. So thank yeah. you, listener. I, Thanks, listener. I know who it is then. Um, yes, thank you. So I have been attracted to mosters. Like I, I think I really like that type of person. And it might be because I might be a moster myself. Like, they were talking about the people that have it have an attachment disorder. And I was like, oh, I might also have that attachment disorder. So I crave that kind of, like, in instant intimacy and security. But then when it gets too real, I've talked about it, I get the ickies, you know. So I kind of turn off. Um, mm-hmm. and, I've, and, I've, and I've connected with, I guess, similar types to me because I am drawn to these men that do that to me. And... Um, don't know what I want to say about that, but that that was kind of the end of my thought there. I thought I had more to say, but I'm not sure. <laughs> but yeah, my whole life. Well, I guess it's something you can be aware of yourself and your behaviors and patterns. Then yeah, that's the they're right. That's what I wanted to say. Like I think I'm changing now. Or if I mm-hmm. if I find someone like that who's showering me with praise really early, it's not that. Like I don't feel like I need that from someone anymore. Right. But also, if someone does that to me, I would, I wouldn't let it, I wouldn't believe it. Right. You wouldn't let it cloud your judgment the same way anymore right. because you're so, you're so much more open and you're so much more aware to it happening now that like, I think it almost causes us to be like, okay, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like save it. You don't even know me. And that's the thing. No one knows us. We don't know them. It takes months to a year to really know someone. I keep saying that. I will right. always say that. You yes. don't know someone. Yes. So all of these things that they're saying, they're not. They're not actually hitting. It's just words. It's just empty. Until you've actually had experiences and you've grown and you continue to, like, choose each other every fucking right. day, you don't know shit. Right. I think if someone did that to me now, I'd be like, yes. well, let's just get to know each other. Like, we'll <laughs> right. you don't need to make any of these proclamations because, like, we don't – it's too soon. And, and I used right. to, like, believe it and be like, right. oh, my God, this person really likes me. And then I'd be, like, attached to them so fully from that. But it's like – it's just like an easy, yeah. cheap way to do it. It's like getting McDonald's on your way to uh, uh, do another errand. Like you're you're filling a need. You're getting that junky mm-hmm. fast food high. You're you're tasting it, but it's not like nourishing you. Right, right, and it's it's ultimately empty. Like it doesn't mean anything, yeah. and then it leaves you feeling really disappointed. Like you want to barf. Yeah. yeah. Or like you're sick to your stomach after you actually do it, and you're like, "Why did I even do that? Like, what what was that about?" Right. Yeah. The thing that I'm curious about is, I guess this is sort of connected. It's those stories that you hear or see on TV of people that are like, "We met and we got married a week later." Mm-hmm. Like, what is that? A fluke. How- I think that can, I mean, just- the kind of, like, thing that Brian and I did, we mosted each other. We got involved way too quickly, and then, but we, because we both have the same kind of, like, attachment thing, like, we stayed. We attached. Like, we could have, we could have gotten married a week, like, we wouldn't have done that, but we could have gotten married a week later, right? And that would have been seen as a success story, but we weren't ultimately right for each other. But, yeah, sometimes you form these really quick attachments, and uh, and it's and it's mutual, and you kind of hang on to each other, but that doesn't 
this doesn't negate the fact that you didn't get to know the person before you made that commitment and you're really right. taking a gamble. <laughs> and you're holding on probably right. more to the idea of them than them as an actual person in a lot of ways. I think like there's so much projection going on in those instantaneous relationships that it doesn't give you room to fail and it doesn't give you room to actually be human with each other or fart or uh, have uncomfortable stuff come up because then when they it does like those people don't know how to deal with it and they don't know how to deal with it together and they don't know how the other person would or could deal with it and I think then that's when people just throw in the towel and they're like all right we're done well, like-, like I can't this is not what I signed up for. With Brian and I, like, we got through all that. We bridged the gap from, like, the the kind of projection to getting to know each other. But it made it so that we ignored kind of all the red flags. So we had a yeah. healthy relationship in a way, but we weren't ultimately compatible. Um, so, I mean, I think it can happen. Like, it can happen that you just kind of get a really nice energy, a really nice vibe from someone. You think, like, okay, this is it. I just want to do this. But... Right. Um, but you're still, you're not, just having a nice energy and a nice vibe doesn't mean you're meant to be together forever. Like, that's the first piece of the puzzle that's not all of the pieces. Right. That leads me on to the second thing. Are we, any of us, really meant to be together forever? Oh, my God. The biggest question of the week. That's, oh, no. That's the question of monogamy. Yeah. Are we actually monogamous We're like creatures? partially monogamous. I don't know. Like, I, I want to be, but I don't know that I actually am or if it's possible to actually stay with somebody the rest of my but life. But people Same. do it. There are some people that do it and are happy. Yeah, but... Right. I guess you just have to keep choosing it. You have to choose every it. Every day. And I just... I, I always go back to this idea in my head of, like, growing as a couple and... You know, just because you meet someone when you're 29 or 30 and you make a decision to be with each other, five years down the line, you could have grown into different people, seven years, 10 years. Like, you kind of constantly have to both be growing in the right direction to sustain that kind of love and that kind of passion and that kind of sexual energy and flow. And that's a really hard thing to predict. Like, just because you love each other right now and everything is great and you have a rock and sex life now doesn't mean that things aren't going to change in a couple of years or in a season. Like, there's no, there's no guarantee in any of that. There's no guarantee with love. Like, there's no guarantee that your wife or husband isn't going to get hit by a car or they're not going to fall in love with their coworker or right. leave you because they had... Uh, an embezzling money fraud situation and they like ghost to a foreign country and you never hear from them again. Like there are no guarantees. And I always wonder about that. Like I don't see myself as being polyamorous or being in an open relationship, but I also don't see myself like being with one person for the rest of my life. I don't, I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's like a truly meant to be forever kind of thing in my head. Like, I always joke that I'll have a couple husbands, like a starter one and then and then like a second one, but then like probably the third is the one that I'll just end up with and die next to, you know? Cuz you'll be so old already yeah. by the time you get to him. But it maybe it's not a joke. Maybe it's just like you go through different phases of your life and love is what you need in that phase and you get that, but then you change and you evolve and then you decide mutually like this isn't where we're going in the same direction. Let's do something different. Let's break up. Let's see what else is out there. 
Yeah, but as also as you get older, it becomes harder and harder to like find people that you're compatible with. So I think it depends on the person, the relationship, and well, I think expecting ultimate sexual faithfulness is becoming more and more of an impossibility in modern day relationships because of how much access we have to social media and the internet and our friends and like high school classmates. And I think people, you know, they, they fall out of that magical love and they sometimes poke around in their past or someone will come back and be like, Hey, you, and there's no way to prevent that now. Whereas before all of this happened, like, it was much harder to have a secret relationship or to cheat. Actually, I think it was easier to have a secret relationship because you couldn't go poking around on social media to see who's, who's message to. You couldn't, like, it would be over the phone and there's no record of that. Or it'd be like you're having an affair with your, like, secretary or your, like, whatever, somebody else or the teacher or and there'd be no record of it. It's just more awareness of yeah. it. I don't know if it's happening more or less than it has before, but I think people are more aware of it now. And there's a lot of ways to keep things interesting. That's not the same as cheating. You know, if you're in a really long-term relationship and things get really sexually stale, you can go, like, I don't know, you can introduce new partners in, you can do stuff together you can just like there are clubs and parties there's clubs and parties yeah there's a lot i just don't know if both partners are ever on the same page about that as much as they like say they are and they communicate and they agree like i just i never really truly believe it in like a sustainability factor of oh yeah you guys are just gonna have an open relationship for the rest of your marriage and it's like don't ask don't tell you fuck other people when you're out of town you fuck other people on certain nights but like I don't believe that for the next 30 40 years that's gonna be good enough and sustainable for both of you in the same way like I don't think it is I don't think but the friends I have that have done these kinds of arrangements it's not like for their whole life, they're, you know, always fucking other people, but it's like, they get kind of bored. Maybe they'll introduce another, they'll have a threesome or they'll like have sex with another couple or something that'll last a couple of months. Then, you know, it'll kind of burn out and then they'll just go back to being with each other for a while. Then they get bored again. So I don't read right, think That's the whole point is like we change and what we want changes all the time. And it's not about like having some kind of system that's foolproof that's going to work forever. It's more about being honest with yourself and with your partner and then being honest with you about what they want and then talking about ways to maybe not fulfill everything, but to make sure that like in general people are getting their needs met in some way that feels satisfying to them, like, you know, throughout the relationship. So it doesn't just totally fall flat. So you know, maybe that's not having a completely open relationship, but maybe it's like going to a sex club and like watching couples have sex and then coming, you know, just like something different, like something interesting, something just to spice it up or going to a bar and like flirting with other people and then coming home. Like it doesn't have to be infidelity. Right. Um, Right. But you know, a way to keep things fresh and interesting and whatever that means for that couple. uh, I think that can work. 
Um, that seems more realistic to me than any other solution of just being open to new ideas and new experiences and, and drawing the line where you're not comfortable, too. Well, it, it goes back, I think, a lot to the fact that we don't want kids. And what does that mean? Like, why do you enter into a permanent marriage or long-term commitment if you're not having children? Like, what what is that impetus to do that? Because that's really what the modern marriage and relationship was set up to be, is like, you are getting married because you're going to have a family and you're, you need this financial support and you need this this community around you that supports that. And now people are doing that in the same way or they're opting out of it like we are. So what does that even mean for commitment's sake? Like well, I, to get married? I think companionship is really important for all humans. And if you find someone you're really compatible with, like really like a good fit for you that really works, that is, as Lauren said, like there's not a lot of those. There's not that many viable options. So that is worthwhile and I think worth hanging on to if you're you know if if there's like a really good foundation to that relationship I mean I don't know either maybe the answer is having a string of long-term relationships as opposed to just one person but knowing how hard it is for me to find someone that I really connect with and I really like and how I'm single most of the time um like, I don't know how many of those are going to come around for me in my lifetime. Like, I'll be very happy if mm-hmm. I find one, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, I do yeah. want that. Like, I do want that relationship. I'm not saying I don't want it. I'm just saying, like, I don't even know how viable these things are anymore. Like, it just feels right. so fragile and so ever-changing that, like, it feels almost foolish for me to put all of my hope in that like one person and that one relationship and that one marriage. Right. It's trying to be a little bit more realistic about it and mm-hmm. trying to like take away the fairy tale of it. Yeah. That we've like spent most of our lives trying to search for and idealize. I watch all these couples now, like I'm selling wedding bands, I'm selling engagement rings. I work in, in a business now that is so commitment focused and based and those pressures and prices and expectations like I watch all these couples try and shop or design rings and how they interact with each other and it's like I get it you two love each other like this is a symbol but even then sometimes I look at them in the way that they're not communicating or they are or there's a hesitancy I'm like are you are you guys sure you want to you want to do this because like just from my outer perspective of like I think I'm always right about other things that aren't me related but like just from my perspective of that like you guys don't seem to be on the same page at all like what is this what is this what are you committing to and how long do you truly think that this is gonna last like I can see it and I haven't even taken your money yet right I mean yeah a lot of people get into the wrong relationships. And I don't think the idea is to get into a relationship and say, like, you're the one and we have to be together forever. But I think the idea is to accept, okay, I don't know what's going to happen. People change for all sorts of reasons. Life happens. Shit happens. There is no guarantee to what you were saying that if you meet someone that you really love and care about and feel compatible with, that it will work out long-term or forever. However, I am open to that idea. Like if I do find that person I'm compatible with and I continue to be compatible with them and we work can work through all of our shit and I'm 
you know, it's a good working, you know, companionship, then I wouldn't throw that away just because I think like, oh, well, this can't, it can't ever work because it does work for some people. So it's like, I agree. Not, it's, it's just, just like not digging into any, there's no certainty about the future. So, you know, it's kind of like make the most, if you find someone you really care about, then like appreciate that and make the most of it while you have it. And hopefully it will last a long time. Yeah. Like our friendship, Nina. Nina, if our friendship could last this long, anything is possible. <laughs> we choose each other every we fucking day. We continually have chosen each other. I would say now we're in like our twilight years where all the drama has passed and we're just like content. Mm-hmm. We can just sit on the couch and watch TV and <laughs> have the same exact opinions on stupid shit. It's great. Yeah. Lauren and I are I mean, still in our honeymoon. Right. We're all in our honeymoon together yeah, as a threesome. It's a, it's a new, it's a newish throuple yeah. relationship. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like, I'd rather, you know, have this. Yeah. You see, you, you did add a new person to the mix to keep it fresh. Keep it fresh. And it worked. Yeah. yeah. It's just a gamble. I guess it's the gamble of love. <laughs> like, you just gotta, you just gotta roll the dice and, and throw your chips down and lay the money out and hope it works all right lauren off to the races you go yes thank you for emotionally unburdening and freeing yourself with us (laughs) it's like it's been a therapy session about me but not at all no go go unbreak that heart in the immortal words of tony braxton Um, Braxton. unbreak unbreak my heart (laughs) I'm going to unchain mine. Yeah, Nina needs to detangle. You need to, like, chisel those stones. Mm -hmm. And uh, my heart's completely open, so I'm fine. I've done all the work. (laughs) You just go wave at that tar pit as you walk by. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) All right. Listen to us. uh, Subscribe to all of our social media channels. Send us questions. We are... We are so five here. star likes yes. people. Somebody, we have a four point five. Who did that? Who gave us a four or a three? Uh, I don't know. Five stars. Wait, <laughs> probably what, my what's mom. What's our rating? Four point five. So somebody gave us less than five. What the fuck? Who what are fuck? you, and why are you doing that to us? Who? Okay, listen. If you gave us a low rating, come talk to us. We, it's okay. We won't hurt you. It'll be fine. <laughs> is a safe space it's my mom it's my mom you guys <laughs> totally your mom and it's lauren's mom she gave us a one because she doesn't understand what a podcast is but like the sound quality is not that good sweetie <laughs> yeah i know why is it so dark there's no pictures all right i love you guys go have a good day bye, bye. bye. bye.